0: Well, we're now in Isaiah chapter 36. Isaiah chapter 36, if you'd like to turn there, and the book of the prophet Isaiah. And we have this remarkable uh, section. And Isaiah begins not with the restoration of worship, which was a wonderful thing, but he begins in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, which we're going to hear about in a moment. Let me give you the title of the sermon before I actually read the scripture to us. The title of the sermon that I've chosen is this, in whom do you trust? In whom do you trust? And we'll hear the beginning of the word of God here, chapter 36. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent to Rabshakeh sent the Rabshakeh by the way the Rabshakeh is a military high ranking leader. And the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh from Lachish to king Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army and he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. And there came out to him Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joab, the son of Asaph, the recorder. And the Rabshaker said to them, Say to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Behold, you are trusting in Egypt that broken reed of a staff which will pierce the hand of any man who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? Come now and make a wager with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse a single captain among the least of my master's servants when you trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Moreover, is it without the Lord that I have come up against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up against this land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Do not speak to us in the language of Judah within the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said, Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you and not to the men sitting on the wall who were doomed with you to eat their own dung and drink their own urine? Then the rabshaker stood and called out in a loud voice and in the language of Judah, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. The city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Then each one of you will eat of his own vine and each one of his own fig tree and each one of you will drink the water of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah mislead you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their lands out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? But they were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's command was, do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the work of the rabshaker. 37.1, and as soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth. Well, thus ends the reading of God's word and we're going to look now at what we can glean from the word of God here tonight. The title of the sermon is in whom do you trust? And that's a word for all of us tonight. In whom do we trust? Our faith will be severely tested at times on the pilgrimage the faith of the whole church may be tested at times, as we heard about the persecution that happened against the Th- church of the Thessal- Thessalonians. And at times in different parts of the world, great pressure can come upon the church. And so the question is, in whom do you trust? Of course, we would probably easily say to well, we trust the Lord. We see the pride and the arrogance of this military leader leader reminding them to put their trust not in the lord but in the king of assyria and we've had heard on previous times that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses but we will trust in the name of the lord but that's not always easy is it because our lord is invisible we can't see him but you can see the assyrian army they're surrounding judah everywhere they've crushed uh the northern kingdoms they've been like bread to them they they're, they're nowhere to be seen they've been carried off captive and naturally speaking you will be saying we're next we're next you might even be turning to the person next to you we think about in the time of gideon and gideon's army and the army was thin back and god did a great work to give deliverance in the time of gideon and god was doing a great work here And what we find is that Hezekiah's faith is stretched and pulled in every direction beyond any trial I think you and me will face. I can't imagine that we would ever face such a difficult trial as face King Hezekiah, the king of Judah and Jerusalem, the capital. And Judah's already been taken and all that's left is Jerusalem waiting to be taken next. And so here we find in the book of Isaiah, these chapters. And what do we find in, we've heard tonight from chapter 36 in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. And what we find is, is that a number of years later, is that uh, Hezekiah 14 years later was 25 when he began to reign and now he's 39 he'd restored worship, he'd restored temple worship, he'd got rid of the idols, God had used him to do wonderful things. And you would think, wouldn't you, naturally speaking, it's now time to relax, it's now time to sit down and put your feet up. Well, not this side of heaven, and yet he'd done great things, but that was preparing the way for what God was going to do. Because if you're not following the Lord, then what basis do we have to call upon the name of the Lord? And here we're going to find tonight, in three headings for us, in whom do you trust, that Jerusalem is attacked. But further than that, then this Rabshakeh, this military leader of Assyria, he begins to mock Hezekiah. And then thirdly, the Rabshakeh, this military leader of Assyria, begins to mock the living God. What was he doing? He was undermining confidence And so we're going to look at this tonight and hopefully to encourage our faith in the Lord to keep running the race. And before we get to our first heading, let me encourage us all tonight with something that the Apostle Peter said in chapter 1 and verse 7. Maybe you know these words. Peter says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so probably the main thrust tonight is that our faith has to be tested. The faith of Hezekiah and Judah was tested, and tested, I think, to the very limit. And so our first heading tonight is just simply this, that Jerusalem is attacked. And as we've seen in 36 verse 1, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, he's now 39 years old, no longer 25. He's 35 years old, and now Jerusalem is surrounded by these Assyrian armies, the most powerful empire in the known world. And the question is for Hezekiah and for Isaiah in whom are you going to trust? In whom are you going to trust? And trials do that for us, don't they? Trials purge us, unbelief from our souls. They get us to replace unbelief with faith that's tested by fire. And in this world, we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. It's far from easy. We need the grace of God to do that. The trial in itself was enough that Jerusalem was attacked by the king of Assyria. And then we find this Rabshakeh begins to mock them. He begins to compound more upon their trials and difficulties. In Hebrews chapter 11, we learn about faith, don't we? We have this wonderful um, series of writings in Hebrews 11. It says, and by faith, and by faith, and by faith, But what we need to be reminded about by faith is that it isn't always by faith that we just always have the victory. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, uh, people escape the edge of the sword. By faith, they put foreign armies to flight, which is exactly what happened in the time of Hezekiah and Isaiah. The foreign army of, of the Assyrians were put to flight. In fact, actually, we're going to find out in another sermon, God willing, that they were destroyed. But also, it says, by faith, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Let us ask a question tonight. What takes more faith? To be delivered or to be imprisoned? What takes more faith? to be delivered from a foreign army and the walls around Jericho to come falling down or to suffer mocking and flogging. But the point is that whatever we face, whatever we face, we're to face it by faith. We're to keep walking and follow Jesus Christ. If there's one thing I've learned as I've been a Christian, it's this. God is Faithful. Have you found that as well? That God is faithful. But God is so faithful He tests our faith. Charles Haddon Spurgeon and one devotional comment I read, he said, As you mature as a Christian, the trials get bigger because the Lord knows He can you can handle it. You think oh (laughs) but that's a mature Christian. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was the pastor of one of the largest churches in the world in his own day. But at times he suffered from severe depression. He suffered from physical gout in his feet. His wife most often could no longer attend the house of the Lord because she was uh, in some measure disabled towards the latter part of her life. And there's a side of Spurgeon's life that a lot of people don't look at they see his writings and they see the size of the church i think it's wonderful but the sufferings that spurgeon went through were incredible and and he as a pastor he's able to encourage us and all of us tonight to keep walking by faith and hezekiah is surrounded with his vast army jerusalem's attacked what do we learn we've heard what he said he speaks encouragingly to the people of god not false words, but more of those who are with us and those who are against us. Everyone in Britain could come against the gospel tonight and say we're going to attack Christians, we're going to burn down church buildings, we're going to burn Bibles, and things like that have happened in the history of the church. But if God is for us, who can be against us? More of those who are with us than are with them. If we have God in our side, we're on the majority, praise God. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord no matter what by the grace of God. So the first heading in, in whom do you trust is that Jerusalem is attacked, but then it gets worse. Our second heading is that the rabshaker mocks Hezekiah. The trial intensifies. It doesn't get easier. It gets worse. And we find here in the word of God in 36 and verse 4, what do we read? And the Rabshakeh said to them, this military leader, uh, on behalf of the Assyrians, he says, say to Hezekiah, he's speaking out loud to all the people, and says, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, on what do you rest this trust of yours? Do you think that mere words are strategy and power for war? In whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? He's asking questions of the Judeans. He's asking questions of Isaiah. He's is asking questions of King Hezekiah. Who does that sound like? Is that the voice of the Holy Spirit? Far from it. It's like Satan in the Garden of Eden. Has God said? He's undermining the faith of the people of God. This Rabshakeh. He's mocking Hezekiah. Whether he had spies in in in. In Jerusalem or not we don't know but he seems to have inside knowledge and information he's mocking Hezekiah and he mocks further and says you're trusting in Egypt well they weren't because we've heard the words of Hezekiah he was trusting in the Lord in whom do you trust and this Rabshake is right if you're going to trust in Egypt they can do nothing for you Assyria could crush the Egyptians no problem and so the trial goes on the whole speech of this Shaker is to undermine their confidence in anything for deliverance against the assyrians and so our trials can get much worse yet whatever you're going through tonight you can have people who can undermine your confidence and trust in the lord but aren't we thankful tonight for proverbs chapter three verse five and six Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And hundreds of years before, King Solomon wrote those words and the book of Proverbs would have been available for Hezekiah. We don't know if he would have availed himself of that or not. One thing we do know is that Isaiah knew the word of God very very well and so tonight we can take confidence that no matter what comes against us that we can trust in the Lord don't lean on our own understanding. Well let's think about for a moment let's just think for a moment if, if Hezekiah had lent on his own understanding he would have said it's hopeless we don't stand a chance We may as wave white flags and just run out and say we we surrendered. If he leaned on his own understanding, it was an impossible situation. And we think similarly about the disciples in the time of Jesus and how Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, he got into the boat with his disciples and what did Jesus say? He said, let us cross over to the other side. And then we have this remarkable story that Jesus falls asleep in the stern of the boat. Can you imagine that the ship begins to go up and down and up and down, and yet the master is fast asleep. But the disciples, they're not fast asleep, they are wide awake, their eyes are wide open as they hopefully begin to, what they thought would be a fairly pleasant and innocuous journey, nothing much happening. But read in Mark chapter four, a great windstorm came, and the disciples begin to panic. It gets worse and worse and worse, and yet Jesus remains asleep in the boat. And then what happens is, is that the disciples become so afraid they decide what to do. They must be talking to one another. This, this storm is getting, and you know, these were seasoned fishermen peter and john and james the ships going up and down and up and down and they've been at sea many times but this one this test is stretching their faith to the very edge you have trials like that testing them to the very edge and they decide that the best thing to do is to wake up jesus so they come to him and they wake him up and we may think jesus oh is he surprised no he knows exactly what's happening he's already said let us cross over to the other side and he rebukes the storm and it says in mark's gospel there was a great windstorm then there was a great calm and what does jesus say why were you so troubled oh you of little faith but that can't be said actually here of king hezekiah because he remains steadfast in his faith by the grace of god in the midst of remarkable opposition, 185,000 Assyrians surround him. And our last heading is really that the Rab Shaker mocks the living God. He goes beyond in our last heading, he goes beyond mocking Hezekiah and now begins to mock the living God. And the question for us tonight is in whom do you trust? Just let your imagination run for a moment to see that people on the walls of Jerusalem could look out and off onto the hills, there would be the Assyrian armies. Perhaps they'd jump on the wall in a different part of Jerusalem and look in a different direction and there they would see the armies on every point. And no matter what we face and what Hezekiah faced, the question is, in whom do you trust? That's a pastoral question for us tonight. The Rabshaker starts mocking. In verse 14 it says this. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. That's true. Hezekiah will not be able to deliver them. That's true. He says in verse 15, Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying the Lord will surely deliver us. That's not true. He now mocks uh, the people of God, saying, if Hezekiah is saying, trust in the Lord, he begins to blaspheme the name of God. In verse 615, if you say, uh, the Lord will surely deliver us, the city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria, he then says, do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me. And he goes on and starts talking about there's no gods who can stand against Assyria naturally speaking that's true but there's only one true and living God and we need to be reminded and exhorted and edified time and time again that our God that we're preaching tonight our God that we're worshipping is the God who made the heavens and the earth and there is only one true and living God yes there are many religions there are many gods in this world There can even be depictions of the Christian God that may not even be true. But the God of the Bible is the one who created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. And the God who sent Jesus Christ to become a man. It may seem that he, he became small by sending his son to become a man. But there is no lack of power with the living God. There's no lack of power in the living God. And faith has to be tested. And we see in verse 21 that the rabshaker goes on and on, mocking God now. And it says in verse 21, But they were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's command was, Do not answer him. So as we come to a close tonight, we're reminded at the beginning of this trial which Isaiah records for us, helpfully in his own book, this prophetical book, this remarkable trial that's there to strengthen our faith tonight. Who would have thought 2,700 years later, That there will be a sermon here in Hilltop Chapel on the deliverance of the people of God, the Judeans, from the Assyrians. We haven't got there yet, but where we're at right now in this story is that the faith is tested of Hezekiah, of the Judeans, and tested our faith has to be. Sometimes your faith, will be tested to the very limit. It'll be stretched beyond its, where it's ever gone before. But with Jesus in the boat, the disciples learn later, the boat will never sink. With Jesus in the boat, the boat will never sink. We often think of the reformers, you know, I think in times past, often with rose-tinted spectacles. But they would often use Psalm 124 and verse 8. Do you know what Psalm 124 and verse 8 says? It says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. Why was that so important to the reformers? Because at any time, a war could erupt, and, and, and Roman Catholic soldiers could come against the Protestants and just kill them off. And there were times when Huguenots in France were, were killed by so many people. There were so many Protestants in one stage in France, but great persecution came against the Huguenots who were threatened to deny their faith in Jesus Christ. And there was a tower in the south of France, I believe it is, and there'd be Huguenots who would be chipped into this jail. And then it would became like a manufacturing line for martyrdom. And someone wrote on the wall for the next Christian that would come along in French. And they wrote on the wall in French, resist. And so as a Christian would come along into that prison, they would read, scratch into the wall, resist. In other words, do not give in. Keep trusting in the Lord. In whom do you trust? For some, they get delivered entirely from the trial. For others, they have to lay down their very lives. But praise God, when they close their eyes in this world, there's nothing fake about the gospel. The gospel is more sure than anything else that we can trust. The blood of Jesus Christ will never lose its power And if you've been forgiven and washed and cleansed in the blood of Jesus, it's a more sure promise than the Bank of England, the Bank of America, and the Bank of China, and the Bank of Thailand, and whatever else. It's more secure than anything that this world has. We may be despised as Christians. We may be hated as Christians. But the Word of God is true. It is yes and amen. In who do we trust? We trust in something that cannot be shaken. This word has never been shaken, but it'll, it will shake nations. It will shake peoples. Whoever turns against the Lord will be shaken by the Lord. So let's keep trusting in God. Well, As we close tonight, I've got two quotes by John Calvin, who himself faced enormous possibility of persecution his own day and John Calvin says this he points us to the truth when he speaks about faith testing God conceals his remedies until he has exercised our faith they who fancy that faith is exempt from all fear have had no experience of the true nature of faith but listen to this Calvin says this faith has its silence to lean an ear to the word of god faith has its silence and there comes a point where to close your ears to the rabshaker and hear the voice of scripture god is faithful calvin said this we are to fly on the wings of faith to the goodness of god instead of being overwhelmed by a mass of evils to perceive the same goodness in the thickest darkness and he's writing that commentating uh, on on events happening in the book of genesis and remember the patriarchs they didn't have a full bible they only had a, a handful of promises and yet they may have endured intense but god brought them through and so let's keep trusting in the lord there are more christians alive on earth today than at any other time in human history It may not be in Sheffield. It may not be in Swollenest. It may not be in Cresswell Crags. It may not be in Rotherham. But all over the world there are more Christians alive today in Brazil and China and India. The army of God is bigger today than it's ever been. But we're scattered. We're scattered far and wide. And yet God sees every one of us and cares for